guys, welcome to episode 168 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. Haley. And Nate. Who you guys might have forgotten about by now, so. Yeah, I <laughs> forgot all about Haley, too. I don't, I have uh. no idea. <laughs> Not true, Haley. Not true. Kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's been a crazy, crazy summer, so we've had different hosts on every episode, but it's always exciting to have combinations of hosts that we haven't had in a while. I know. Well, I mean, it is summer. It's it's just been a crazy summer for me. I'd like to have made it onto more episodes, but you know, I'm glad I'm here, though. I missed you guys. Ashley and Adam and Steph didn't miss you, so they declined to join us for this episode. They're like, eh, all right. <laughs> but it's actually really exciting because just this weekend, over the last couple days in August, it's been the one-year anniversary of the 1989 LA shows. I can't believe it. They had so many special guests at that show. It was insane. At all of those shows, I mean, it was I, insane. I just had to look up the full list to remind myself, and I still felt like there could have been more people that I'm not seeing. But everyone that Taylor had in L.A. at the Staples Center, so the list is Kobe Bryant, Mary J. Blige, Uzo Aduba, Matt LeBlanc, Chris Rock, Sean O'Pry, Ellen. Natalie from the Dixie Chicks, Alanis Morissette, St. Vincent and Beck, John Legend, Lisa Kudrow, Justin Timberlake, Selena Gomez. That JT performance was pretty iconic. It was. Who would you guys have all together in one night? Ooh, that's a great question. Because it's like, if you even are lucky enough to make it to LA, which I never have been, how do you even pick what show to go to? Because chances are you're going to end up kicking yourself over the others. How many am I allowed to pick? Let's do four. Now, some of these were actual performances, and some were people that walked for style. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think it would have been funny to see, for style, to see Ellen walk out. Her outfit was actually hilarious. If you guys remember, it was that sparkly silver thing that she, like, cooked up right before the, the performance, and she comes out, and Taylor's like, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a full silver bodysuit with a tutu. Bodysuit, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd have been really cool. And I know we've said it before to see the Alanis Morissette performance. I think that would have been crazy. I would have said just skip all the 1989 songs and just sing with all of these people. Just sing with all these people, right? Yeah. <laughs> In one night. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody on this list that I would have been disappointed to have seen. There's nobody who I would have been like, oh, they were just okay. Every single LA guest was iconic. Pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Haley? Who would you pick? Definitely Smelly Cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lisa Kudrow? Yep. Probably Justin Timberlake and probably Mary J. That was so good, that Mary J. Blige performance. Yeah, it was. Because mm. first Taylor sang the song Doubt, and then Mary J. came out and joined her, and then together they sang Family Affair. Which was just amazing. Amazing. They ended up having, like, what, almost 15 minutes on stage together? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken... That was the first and maybe the only performance where one of her special guests sang two songs. I feel like there was another. There may have been. I think Keith Urban, they did two songs. Oh, is that right? Okay, okay. But I think maybe that one was more like part of one song and part of another. I mm -hmm. think Mary J got the longest stage time. Okay. I love the story Taylor told about how she was at, I think she said, a Grammy party the year before and she heard that song Doubt and was really inspired by the lyrics. And now that's a song that I really enjoy, and I can definitely see why Taylor was touched by those lyrics. Anyway, so also going along with some throwback stuff, 
for our older tweets this week when we were looking through at Taylor's Twitter. Apparently, August 2009, this week of August 2009, Taylor was on Twitter 24-7 and she had just tons and tons and tons of tweets, so many that I could barely sort through them. So we decided to make our older tweet segment this episode all 2009 edition. I'm going to kick off the first one. Um, she tweeted, 22nd of August, 2009. Taylor tweets, currently Googling the family lineage of the Queen of England. Normal. Normal, yeah. <laughs> 19-year-old Taylor. I could totally see it happening. Our next one, which is amazing because she actually kind of brought him back. She said, there was something really romantic about Polaroid cameras. I miss them and I want them back. Crazy. How quaint, yeah. <laughs> so do you guys think that for all the years from 2009 to 2014, Taylor was just plotting, trying to find a way to bring the Polaroid cameras back? Scheming, yeah, <laughs> about Polaroid cameras. I believe that. I could see her trying to work them into her everyday and then going from there. It's interesting to see this tweet and then like like realize how... I mean, because you see, obviously, Taylor evolve over the years uh, as a person, but it's like little things like that that uh, just really stay the same. That's kind of interesting to me. She'll never change, but she'll never stay the same. Right. <laughs> so cliche. But true. Mm. The next one is from August 24th, 2009. Taylor tweeted, Misquote alert. I was quoted as saying I can write a song in three seconds. Didn't say it because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was the first of many, many times she would have to clear up incorrect media stories. That is for sure. <laughs> I don't remember that quote coming out. I remember this tweet. I don't remember what I was referring to. Well, our next one comes from August 26, 2009. And Taylor tweets, There's a free people store in New York. Oh my god. Free People is definitely an essential part of her Fearless and Speak Now era style. And it's funny because now, when she does still wear them, it's normally when she's in L.A. and not New York. Right. But I still love when she wears them. It has that hippie, sort of feminine look. Is that where she used to buy a lot of like her sundresses and things like that? Yeah, I think so. And a lot of her headbands. Hmm. It was there and Anthropology. That were her big stores around then. Well, our next one comes from August 26, 2009. And she tweeted, just said, See you at Madison Square Garden to Gloriana after dinner. This is surreal. That was when they were touring together for Fearless. And the next one I personally really enjoy. August 27, 2009. Taylor tweeted, getting ready to Juliet. By Element. It's a middle school dance party in here. <laughs> now, I don't know if they actually pronounce it Element or Elementy, but I was a huge fan of that song. I would listen to that song on Radio Disney all the time. <laughs> Radio Disney. I forgot that was a thing. It's still a thing. Well, on another uh, Taylor music fan-related tweet, she tweeted August 27th, 2009. She the same tweets, day. She was really having a party. That's a very good point, right? She really was having a party. <laughs> She tweets, Jay-Z, 99 Problems, the perfect New York City soundtrack. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that that album. That was, I think, Jay-Z's biggest album. And this was even before Jay-Z's other iconic New York song, Empire State of Mind. 
So I have to imagine she had another dance party when that song came out. (laughs) And when I think back to, I guess it was the Speak Now tour, I was really hoping that Taylor at her Madison Square Garden show would bring out either Jay-Z or Alicia Keys and sing Empire State of Mind. She should still do that. That would still be really cool. Yeah, it's kind of a timeless song. It'd be really cool for, like, Album 6 tour, like, MetLife, like, Throwback, Welcome to New York, Empire State of Mind, like, the whole thing going on there. I think that would be awesome. It would also be cool if she ever ended up doing a show at Yankee Stadium. That'd be really cool. Because I think they mentioned Yankee Stadium in that song. Well, it's appropriate that we did an all-2009 themed edition of our older tweets because... Later in the episode, our main discussion is going to be a look back at all of the past year's VMA Awards, and nothing says VMA Awards like 2009. Whatever do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure nobody has any memories from 2009 VMAs whatsoever, so we'll be reminding you soon. Anyway, now moving along to our news for the week. The first item I'm very excited about is that some Target stores now have Taylor's new line of Papyrus greeting cards. And I've checked these out in the Papyrus store. They are seriously just gorgeous cards. They're so sophisticated. And I love the ones that she had before, but these just have a very grown-up sort of look to them. And I really love them. Our next one is that Taylor donated... $50,000 to the Greater Baton Rouge Food Bank. That's really going to help them out in the long run. Yeah, she's had a lot of charitable contributions lately. I think she already had donated to their just general flood relief in Louisiana, and I'm sure that everyone really appreciates it. Well, a bit of um, throwback news, almost, was that on August 22nd in 2009, You Belong With Me was number one on the Hot Country Songs chart. Which I think is pretty crazy. When you think about, for me especially, you know, uh, I had my phone plugged in and I'm listening to music the other day and, and I hadn't heard it in a while. You Belong With Me came on. I'm like, this is such classic Taylor. This was such, like, this basically defined her for I don't know how many years now and still continues to. Anyway, I always really like that song. I know some people got annoyed with it at some point uh, during the Red Tour, but. Eh. You know, it's one of those songs that. Yes, I did complain that she did play it as the secret song so much, but if she stopped playing it, I think I would miss it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely right. It's such Mm -hmm. a huge part of who she is. And I feel like I've heard, with a few exceptions, that song at nearly every single Taylor show I've ever been to. Because on the Red Tour, it was still part of the regular set list. It was. I remember that. Yeah, she did that uh, like throwback um, Motown style, and she had the gloves and, and everything and the, the nice dance to go along with it. I thought it was really great. I think that was, at the time, one of the most unique ways that she repurposed the song, and she continues to do that. I have a feeling because uh, for 1989 tour, Love Story, when she repurposed that for that set list, I feel like now album six tour, you know, already talking about it, that You Belong With Me will come back in uh, in a big way as well. Our next piece of news is that on August 25th, Taylor posted a picture of her and Blake Lively for Blake's birthday, and her message said, a wonderful friend to humans and koalas alike, and shared a very cute photo of them, which I assume was from her Australia trip. I love their friendship, and I love Blake as an actress. Well, our last bit of news here um, is that 
Meredith had been spotted on August 25th uh, giving passers-by the infamous Maristair in New York City. It was so funny. She's just casually chilling at the window, but like with a look of death. Look of death, right. So Meredith is known for. <laughs> she was just like, keep walking, stop staring at me. <laughs> and I wasn't 100% sure, but I believe this was at Taylor's new New York apartment and not the old one. Yes. The old one's still getting remodeled, right? I think so. And from what I remember from having walked by the building, there wouldn't be any window that you could see from the street like that one. Oh, I suppose that's true, right? If there were, I'm sure we would have gotten these Meredith candidates long ago. Because cats usually find their one spot and stick to it. Especially by windows. So I wonder if the paparazzi are all going to come for Meredith every day now. (laughs) It's good, though, to have confirmation she's alive. I get worried about her. Oh, she'll be alive forever. So that was our news for this week. And now we actually wanted to introduce a new mini-segment. As you guys remember, we often do things like Swifty Problems, where we take submissions from people on Twitter and share them on the episode. While we thought, while we're all waiting to find out what Taylor's going to be doing next, that a fun new mini-segment could be what we're calling TS6 Predictions. So this could be anything that you're predicting or expecting or hoping for pertaining to Taylor's next album or next tour, and we're going to kick it off by giving some of our predictions, and then if you guys want to tell us what you think or hope will happen, you can tweet us at SwiftCast13 using the hashtag TS6Predictions, or you can just email them to us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. And it should be fun putting in our guesses and seeing, as usual, how wrong we are. Yeah, don't be afraid to to think that you're wrong, because I think every single time I predicted something, it's been flat out wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's always been right. Oh, always been right. I mean, that's what I meant to say, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know about that. Well, do you want to kick us off with anything you're predicting? Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, I guess, like I said earlier about, um, you know, because it's fun to think about, you know, the next tour and things like that. So. As far as the set list goes, I think we are going to be missing a lot of songs on the next set list. You look at it every year at each tour, you know, the things that she cuts, and I don't think we're going to be hearing, like, maybe even anything from Red. I'm not even sure. Not even, like, We Are Never, like, a, you know, a revival or anything like that. Not even Trouble? Trouble? You know, she's done it for two tours in a row now. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anything from Red. Because if you look at the two performances, too, from Red and then from uh, 1989, they were pretty similar as far as choreography and and things like that. So, you know, obviously the styles were a little bit different, but not much more you could do with the song. I, I, You know, it makes me skeptical for for the next tour. I don't know. And when you think about what we're going to keep from 1989, too, I mean, she's got to make some cuts somewhere. I mean, she's got to keep Shake It Off. She's got to keep Blank Space. I think that's it. You th- oh, you think? You think that is it? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. I would think maybe uh, maybe Style. That one's kind of up there, you know? I don't think so. I think there's going to be such limited room, and we know that she likes to play as much of an album as possible. I would say Shake It Off and Blank Space only. You don't think Wildest Dreams? Maybe in a mashup with another song, or maybe occasionally as a secret song, but I just don't think it will be... Because it's not the kind of song that can just fit into a set list. It's such a piece on its own that it's sort of like an all-too-well 
it I would, guess that's true. It would steal the show. I just don't think it'll fit. For me, Wildest Dreams is such a, I mean, you know, you look at the 1989 performance, which was, I mean, great. Don't get me wrong. Um, Enchanted Mashup. I mean, that was awesome. The piano it was, it was awesome. But I think something can be done with it, choreography-wise, like a like a real performance, like some of the other songs. I don't think it's been given its due credit yet because the the tour came out way before the song was released as a single. I would say that my hope would be if she keeps it that she does do it acoustically because I think that would be great. That would be. Oh, man. That would be awesome. Like thinking back to the Grammy Museum and other places she's played it acoustic. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, I think You Belong With Me will we'll make a comeback on this next tour. So, But in terms of the actual album itself, my prediction that I'm putting in today is that I think there will be a collaboration between Taylor and Lord. It's bound to happen at some point. It really is. <laughs> so I know Lord's been in the studio for her own album, and I think that we will finally get something with them. That's a pretty good point, yeah. It's bound to happen. Haley, what about you? Well, she definitely needs to get back to collaborating with some people. She hasn't done that in a while. Only one bad blood with Kendrick, but that was after the... That was after the album, right? That Yeah, that was after the album. I think it might stay on the same track as pop but with a little probably a little bit more rock sounding as well i know she mixed up some of the songs to fit that style so i That's think true, she'll yeah. try to try to play with her sound a little bit more that'd be cool you know and i said this for 1989 too but now that you said collaborations i think we're all still waiting for the taylor swift ed sheeran collaborations that are supposed to be on this album that they recorded they have recorded songs somewhere that nobody knows so i think those need to make an appearance for album six is there anything sadder than thinking about lost music? I know. Oh. It's like we're never going to hear that it breaks ever. breaks my heart. I was just reading an article today. Uh, it was an interview with Mandy Moore, and she said that when she was married to Ryan Adams, which was for several years, that they wrote all this music together that's never going to see the light of day. Oh, my God. And they're both such great songwriters that that makes me really upset. Oh, wow. But anyway. She still has a greatest hits coming out, right? At some point, right? It's been the rumor for a couple of years, but we just don't know when that will be. And from what I understand, though she does owe Big Machine a greatest hits, that can be put out whenever. Like, if she finishes the rest of her commitment, she could go off and do her own thing, and they could just retain the rights to put out a greatest hits later in the future. My thing is, what if, with along with greatest hits, there is, like, some unreleased songs throughout the years as the bonus songs. That would be so cool. Oh my god. It would god. be like a look back in a time capsule almost. Taylor, you should do that. Oh my god. Like young Taylor <laughs> and then kind of going through like her fame and then That would be amazing. Well, that was really fun and I can't wait to continue to make predictions. So you guys should definitely send them to us with the hashtag TS6 predictions. We'd love to hear from you. And now it's time for Nate's favorite part of the episode. The fashion segment, oh yeah. I don't know why we even bothered doing it when you weren't on. It's just not I know, the what same. The heck? Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you guys probably missed me mispronouncing everything. <laughs> yeah. Our first outfit is one that I really liked from this week. On August 24th, Taylor was out and about in New York City. Taylor had on a Forever 21 faded boxy tee, which is no longer available, but it was a really cute sort of pinkish not really a crop top, but a little bit shorter of a top. And then she had on these leggings, which were the aloe moto leggings in black. 
for $110. Then she had a really cool, it was a purse, kind of, like a little mini purse, but it was technically a phone case. It was the Bandolier Sarah Black Leather and Gold phone case, which is $100. It was like a little phone case on a long strap that looked like a purse. Then she had Under Armour, Speedform, sneakers, and black and white. And finally, my favorite part of the outfit, she had these sunglasses, which are the Woody's Barcelona Hollywood Dean sunglasses. And they are 149 pounds, a little bit more in U.S. dollars, but they're really cute. I want them. I've really been loving these casual gym outfits that she's wearing more and more lately. She has been rocking them out. So later that day... She was seen arriving for dinner with Todrick Hall. She was wearing a Lovers and Friends coastline top for 120 And she was wearing a Contessa skirt from the same brand, which was $140. She was wearing M. Jemmy Belson sandals in taupe. A Moo Moo embellished leather shoulder bag, which was $2,100, which is sold out. Sold out. Oh my god, who's buying Sold that out. <laughs> yeah. And an Alexander Wig boyfriend bomber jacket with net. And that is also sold out. And it was sold at $950. Well, our last one was when Taylor was arriving at the gym on August 26th in New York. And Taylor's wearing an Aloe Trace 2 bra in cadet gray black. Normal price $54, but you can get it on sale. It's 35 bucks right now. She's also wearing an Under Armour mesh inset racer back tank. It's available for $50 in light pink, though she was wearing it in black. She wore aloe coast legging in stormy heather black. $103 normal price, but on sale for $73. She had on Carrera 5024S sunglasses, very specific. Uh, $119 in tortoise. Now, she had also a bandolier, bandolier... Uh, Sarah Black leather and gold phone case, 100 bucks, And finally, she's wearing Nike free TR Focus Flyknit training shoes, 130 bucks. And I want that phone case. Yeah, it's really cute. I've been loving everything she has on lately. And actually, that top and skirt set that you mentioned, so this was the yellow one that was sort of with the cutout pieces all over it, and I saw someone Kinda make... Lacy. Yeah, and I saw people joking that she took one of her, like, Speak Now era yellow dresses and just hacked it up into this. It kind of does look like that. But it was funny to see her in this crop top and skirt set because, obviously, that was a very 1989 look. And her hair, at this point, is almost back to identically how it was during that era. Which I guess is still this era, but it feels like a past era. Anyway, thanks as always to Taste Swift Style for tracking all of these down, and you can get more information at tayswiftstyle.com. So now for our main discussion, the VMAs aired tonight on MTV, and Taylor did not submit any videos for nomination, and she decided not to attend, but obviously the VMAs have been such a big part of her career over the years, so... We thought it would be fun to take a look back, starting all the way from 2008 to every VMA year, and just reflect. And she had some pretty amazing years. And people always, of course, talk about 2009, but there were so many other iconic years where she won so many great awards and did such memorable performances that I think get overlooked. Yeah, this is actually the first time since 2011 that since starting her career, Taylor has skipped the VMAs, so 
Oh. And in 2011, she only did it because she had a concert of her mm -hmm. own that night. Yeah, wasn't it, like you said, I think literally across the street? Yeah, she was at the Staples Center, and the VMAs were across the street at whatever that venue was called. And I think actually a bunch of people had left the VMAs early and headed over to her concert. <laughs> oh, is that right? That's funny. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures that year. I think Taylor Lautner did that. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> While kicking us off in 2008, the first year Taylor attended, I don't believe that she won or was nominated for anything, but she did show up and... The picture of her from the red carpet, she's wearing a very simple sort of like princessy dress, very feminine, sort of like a pink dress with a tutu and a long necklace. I like this look. Very classic Taylor. This is when she still had the long curls and like the winged eyeliner. It was simple, but it definitely worked. Yeah, so a very almost uneventful 2008 at the VMAs for Taylor. And then the very next year, uh, basically everything went down at the 2009 VMAs. Everyone pretty much knows about it, but if you need a slight refresher course, uh, that was the year that Kanye decided to storm the stage while Taylor was up there and, uh, you know, do his thing that snowballed into, well, basically everything over the years, let's put it that way. But the other highlights from 2009, she did perform You Belong With Me, which is really cool. It was a performance where she started on the streets of New York City and then, like, moved into the subway ended this whole performance which is actually really cool if you guys haven't seen the video it is around uh i've only seen the video maybe once or twice uh, i don't know if it's even still available somewhere but it is a very very cool performance um also of course you know um the infamous award she won best female video for you belong with me that year i really wish that people remembered how awesome her performance was as much as they remember the other thing oh my god i know right because I think very few artists have incorporated their performance into the city the way she did. And just the way she did it, too. I mean, you know, all the fans that are there, too, like, basically, as part of the performance, it's really just very, very cool. And that's what I think of when I think back on that year. I go and watch that video, and I don't know. It's crazy to me that anything else is still even being brought up seven years later. And so, from that, I guess everybody was sort of looking at Taylor to have some sort of response to the Kanye incident. And then in 2010, it was being promoted that she had written a song about what happened between her and Kanye. It would be debuting it at a 2010 award show, which of course, as we know, was her song Innocent. So and she did it like a pretty stripped down performance of it. And then as far as I can remember, has never performed the song again since then. I don't think so. I don't think even at one of her shows or anything, it's like a secret song or anything like that. Which I kind of understand because, you know, she doesn't really want to remind people of that incident. I think that it's such a well-written song, though. Mm -mm. Yeah, well-composed, yeah. Very and it's nice. always sad to me when certain songs just sort of never see the light of day again. You know, yeah, the first time I heard that song, that's exactly what I thought. You know, it's a very well-written song and everything, but I'm like... Man, she is just wasting her time with Kanye. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know. And I think that the purpose for her in writing it was more for her, you know, yep. to have closure mm. with it than anything. But And now that he's still trying to stir up drama seven years later, I'm sure that people are assuming that she will write about it again. But personally, I hope she doesn't because he doesn't deserve any more attention in any way. He really doesn't. When she came out with this, it was more of, 
like you said, closure, but also forgiveness. Like she was saying that you had a lapse in judgment and I forgive you. My favorite part of this performance was the actual set though and how she did it. She started off in like a living room setting and just the way she incorporated the entire band into the setting to make them not look super out of place was just perfect and you didn't really focus on them but you focused on her singing but when you did notice them it was like in a very subtle beautiful way and that reminded me of another performance where she kind of did that same setting which was the ours performance at the cma awards oh yeah later that's always like one of my favorite things that she does yeah yeah, I like it when she, you know, strips down the songs and like does acoustic performances and you know, it's just a really like nice like like a beautiful performance as as Haley described it. I think she needs to do that more often instead of, you know, eh, the usual that most artists do, you know, the flashy lights and the you know, the heavy drum bass and, you know, all these things. So Well, even on the Speak Now tour towards the end when she would come back out with on the sofa to sing fifteen, how perfect was that? Uh, yeah, that's true. It's a very good point. I would like to see that come back. And so then, as we mentioned, 2011, she did not perform because she had her Speak Now tour the same night. So then she was back in 2012 for the debut performance of We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, which had just come out a couple of weeks earlier. Yeah, the song came out. I think the music video had already dropped by that point. But yeah, well, when she ended up uh, going to the awards show, I just remember very vividly her wearing that, because it was the first time she'd ever done it, wearing that white power suit, basically when she showed up there. Yeah, that was unexpected, but I think it worked. Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first times I've seen her not in a dress. And this was the very start of the Red Era look, which was more of shorts and tops instead of dresses. And if you guys remember, for her actual performance, which was the last performance of the night, she changed into a red striped top and sort of like navy high-waisted shorts and had her hair in a ponytail and that was a very yeah now this seems like a classic look but then it was like oh my god this is the first time we're seeing taylor in a ponytail Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and she ended it by crowd surfing off the stage which was pretty cool that was pretty cool and all the woodland critters are everywhere everybody in their costumes (laughs) it definitely kind of paid tribute to the video she shot the way it started out and then how it transitioned and had Grant and everybody in costumes, which everyone freaked out over. I love watching the behind the scenes of, you know, the making of the We Are Never Ever music video, just because they keep going through and it was like, what was it, like 18 takes? And it is a single shot for the entire video. So, uh, you know, they're going through, they're going through, and then somebody messes up. They're like, ah! (laughs) Anyway, I love that video, looking back on it. So moving on to the 2013 awards, this is where Taylor kind of started um, uh, changing over. You can really tell by what she was wearing to um, the VMAs. You know, she wore this really elegant dress, and she had her hair done up very, very nice. It was in these, like, tight curls, kind of. But this was a period when I remember especially she had started, you know, really looking a lot classier and, like, really had started into, like, the the sexy, classy kind of tailor, if that makes sense. Anyway, I remember she got flack for wearing a dress. I'm like, I'm like, you people need to relax, but... I think it was more how plunged her neckline was in this dress. Yeah, oh yeah, quite a lot. Almost like her belly button. (laughs) But I liked it. It's one of my favorite outfits that she's 
worn. Mm. It's really a pretty dress. I mean, it's very classy still. I mean, it's not like, you know, you know, Miley Cyrus or anything up there, but actually she ended up winning too the award for the best female video again, but for I knew you were trouble this time. I remember that all those clips showing how tall she looked next to Bruno Mars. Oh my god. <laughs> that was from that year. <laughs> I remember some of those clips too. Uh, it was Bruno Mars, like like tiny Bruno Mars, and then Taylor, and they had extended like her body line, and it was just this massive picture, and it was just like her head in the stars, and then like Bruno Mars way down here. <laughs> I was disappointed that she didn't perform that year. Yeah, she should have. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was right in the middle of the red tour. I thought it would have been perfect. I remember that whole awards show though being kind of. Uh, what's a good word for it? Kind of like uncoordinated and just very like, everyone was kind of like, what is going on at this award show? Miley Cyrus did some things that were questionable. Everyone's just kind of watching what's going on. People thought that what Taylor said when she was accepting her award was, you know, she's taking a dig at Harry Styles. And um, the whole thing was just very, I don't know, discombobulated, I guess. The thing I remember most from this award show was her sitting next to selena selena right mm-hmm. and what the the audience cam caught her saying to selena <laughs> i think in reference to miley yeah <laughs> i think it was in reference to like selena's self-doubt that about her winning an award oh sure right right that's what it actually was about right always a good friend and so moving on to 2014 This ended up being the debut performance of Shake It Off, and Taylor wore what's still one of her more unusual award show outfits, the leotard, basically, with the alphabet letters all over it. It was an interesting choice, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the VMAs are definitely the place to do that. Mm -hmm. I remember not being sure if it was like a romper, a onesie. I was like, I don't know what's going on. What is the actual name of this type of outfit? Do we know? I would say a leotard. Leotard, okay. I mean, I guess it could be a romper, too, but it's so short. Yeah, it's a bit too short to be a romper, Ashley. (laughs) You would know the exact specifications. And so this was very shortly after she announced 1989. People were very excited to see the debut performance of Shake It Off, and I think that the performance definitely lived up to that. Yeah, didn't she do, like, in the one part of the performance, she was like, yeah, I'm not going to jump off of this. She, like, went yeah. to go jump off the stage, and she's like, she interrupted the song. She's like, yeah, actually, I'm not. I'm just not going to do this at all. <laughs> Ends up running down the stairs. That was pretty funny. An interesting thing about the performance was everyone was noticing that she was surrounded on stage by all male backup dancers. And I think we thought that it might have just been something for that performance, and then that ended up being the whole theme of the tour. I never actually caught on to that till you just said that. It definitely stuck out to me at the time because she had always had a mix of male and female dancers. So, and finally, last year's uh, VMAs, uh, I'm sure a lot of you still remember, the biggest standout thing from the VMAs was that Taylor won Video of the Year for Bad Blood with Kendrick Lamar. And of course, everybody knows the Bad Blood music video as being one of the like highest production music videos like of all time. All the people that she had in it, all the special effects, uh, this massive like blowout video, basically. Now, Taylor uh, also went home with two other awards, uh, Best Collaboration with Kendrick for Bad Blood, and also Blank Space won Best Pop Video. So, hmm. 
if you guys remember, she also wore um, this, I don't really know how to describe it, but it was like a, like a crop top pants combo thing <laughs> with a lot of colors and, and shiny things. <laughs> it had a black zigzag houndstooth print. Yeah, it had that. And, <laughs> and it had metallic sequins mm-hmm. of various colors all over. It's a very like aggressive kind of outfit almost. I uh, really couldn't decide because honestly, neither were my favorite. But if I liked the 2014 or 2015 look more, I think I liked 15 more over over 14. Both are very yeah, like aggressive kind of. Yeah, I think I'd agree 15 a little better. Now, in reference to um, the award that she won for uh, Video of the Year for Bad Blood, in her speech, I just really liked when she said this. Uh, I'll just read you guys a a small snippet of of what she said. She said, This was such a collaborative effort. These women helped create their parts, write their roles, and decide what they wanted to be. Two of these women I've named cats after. For the fans to give us this bonding experience we'll have forever, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm just happy in 2015 to live in a world where boys can play princesses and girls can play soldiers. And I think the world as a whole went crazy for that line. Mm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Standing ovation and everything. And now we just have to wait and see if she shows back up at the 2017 awards. I think she'll be there. It seems like the VMAs alternate, and not just even in terms of if Taylor is there, but they alternate between having a lot of good performances or just being a total train wreck. Yeah, train wreck. That's a good word to describe them sometimes, which is interesting. I remember as a child watching them and they were just jam-packed full of iconic performances and now it just seems a little bit lacking. It could be that we're older and we can like and and we understand now how easy it is to mismanage something like that, I guess. That's true. Like I remember yeah, I mean I guess I don't know, but, you know, they would have NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, like all the top, top performers packed into one show. And now I feel like it's a couple of big performers and then like a lot of like random filler performers. And I think that they used to put more effort into coming up with these outrageous over the top performances that I miss. But with any award show, you can't take who wins and loses too seriously because we know that they always just design that around who is showing up and who they want to show up. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I don't blame Taylor for skipping this year. I think she deserves a break. I think at the very least, yeah. I don't think she needs any more uh, Kanye things surfacing at the VMAs. So <laughs> just for being there, yeah. Well, that was a fun look back at all of the past VMAs, and we'd love to hear from you guys what your favorite year was and why. You can contact us in a variety of different ways. You can tweet us at SwiftCast13. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. We're at facebook.com slash theswiftcast. or instagram.com slash theswiftcast13. And all of these methods are on our website at swiftcast13.com. And if you haven't, please press the subscribe button on iTunes so that you get notified of the latest episodes every week. So what do you guys think Taylor will do in the following week? I think she'll go to the gym. <laughs> That's a safe bet. That's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Taylor. I think we'll see Olivia at the window instead of Meredith. She'll force her out. It's been a little while since we got an Instagram story from Taylor, so I think she will pop up with an Instagram story. I want to see her somewhere that we haven't seen her in a while. 
like not one of the major cities that she lives in. Um, you know, just somewhere either in the United States or, I mean, anywhere. Somewhere like Chicago. Chicago, yeah. You know, Pittsburgh would be pretty cool. Denver, you know. That would be cool. Mm. I feel like she's due to buy another house soon. I think she is. I think, you know, what's the schedule looking like here? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Esta still looks pretty good to me. Oh, yeah. That was that rumor that was a crazy tabloid making it up. It seems like almost after every tour, after she accrues, like, you know, whatever it is, 400 gazillion dollars or something, uh, that she ends <laughs> up buying a house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she did get the new LA place pretty recently and then the new New York place too, but I'm expecting her to get one in a city that's brand new to her soon. Or a country even. Mm. And just to let everyone know, we're going to be taking a break over the Labor Day weekend, so we will be back on September 14th with our next episode. So for now, for episode 168, this has been Ashley, Haley, and Nate. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.